So what is the nature of God consciousness in the cosmos as well as in your soul? I could have entitled it, what is the nature of God and your soul? Whether we call it heavenly consciousness or divine consciousness, God consciousness, cosmic consciousness, these are just labels, just labels. And they don't really have any meaning until we actually experience these levels of consciousness. It's the experience that matters. Most of the great saints have reached every single level of consciousness. And after having reached every single level of consciousness and learned how to abide for great lengths of time in each of these levels of consciousness, they can then explain how to emulate the nature of God consciousness as a human. These different levels of consciousness are uh, subsume every lower level of consciousness. You, you can think of consciousness as say a Russian doll with the source of all consciousness surrounded by larger and more active fields of consciousness, including human consciousness as the outside layer or field of consciousness. Thus you see consciousness is integral in the sense that the highest levels of consciousness are always actively aware of and nested within every lower state of consciousness. Thus, at the highest levels of consciousness, your awareness is always in a very rested state, a still state, a nirvana state of source consciousness. And the next layer of your consciousness is a multi-state awareness. And then the creative consciousness and so forth and so on. And the goal of human life really is to begin to look inward. You know, we've been looking outward for eons, for billions of years, humans in, in various forms of reincarnation through one type of reincarnated life after another, we've been constantly looking at the energy patterns in our life and following these ener energy patterns to the farthest reaches of those energy patterns. And we've done that until we've seen and experienced every energy pattern that can be experienced. And the goal now is to look inward so that we can begin to explore these fields of consciousness that are within us and progress through one layer or field of consciousness to a more integral or a lower, a deeper level of consciousness, you see. But how do we do that? The key, the secret of a mystic path, the answer is by developing a meditation practice 
that brings you into a coherent alignment or harmony with the nature of divine or cosmic consciousness at the very start of your spiritual practice. If we start a spiritual practice or a spiritual way of life, spiritually minded way of life, if we start it by going deeper within the mind, by perhaps practicing sound, or perhaps looking at objects, or perhaps trying to analyze the great nature of our mind, we're really sidetracking ourselves. We may come to some interesting answers, and maybe after 10 or 20 lifetimes, we can figure out that we're not the mind, but it's very slow, and we're actually going in the opposite outward direction through the mind and through the energy patterns at the same time. So how do we go within? How do we go within? To answer that, let's take a look, a little closer look at the very nature of divine consciousness. And once we understand that, then we'll begin to see who and what we really are. And once we see who and what we really are, even if it's just logically, we can then begin to understand how we need to practice. So what is the nature of divine consciousness? At the very core of integral consciousness, there is a source or resting consciousness that is eternally still, blissful, vibrant, intense awareness that rests as itself as a selfless self, by the way, as just pure awareness in an everlasting instance of timeless time for very great periods. If we were to try and estimate how long the source consciousness sometimes rests within itself, it will sometimes rest within itself say as we're, as a human, we might rest within or abide within this consciousness for 12 hours or 24 hours, or sometimes as much as nine months or a year. Once we've gone beyond the human form, we might rest in this state of consciousness for millions of years, even trillions of years and even longer than that. This is the state of consciousness that exists before, during, and after the cosmos. In other words, before, during, and after all other states of consciousness. And it's a state of consciousness that is always within at the very core of every other state of consciousness. That's why we call it source consciousness. That's why I call it source consciousness, and other saints have called it source consciousness. The Vedas called it the resting consciousness. The next great field of consciousness is a core of resting consciousness surrounded by a field of active consciousness that is constantly loving nurturing and sustaining 
all other states and sources of consciousness in the cosmos and is eternally interconnecting with the one active consciousness that it is with all of the many other copies or instances of itself in the cosmos and that three is enabling and empowering every other state of consciousness, which is sometimes called the many, to love, nurture, and sustain every other state of, in the, of consciousness in the cosmos as the one in many and the many in one consciousness. The key thing to understand here, and, and this is sometimes called a NAMI in, in uh, by some religions, is it's not a single state of consciousness. It's a multi-state consciousness of the one and many and many and one, but at the, and it's very actively loving, nurturing, sustaining all these other states of consciousness. But at the field, at the very center of its field of consciousness is this source or resting consciousness at the same time. The other thing that's important to realize here is that the active consciousness of, we can call it a NAMI if you want, but the active consciousness is always intimately aware, intimately aware of the source consciousness. This is what actually keeps it or gives it the ability to actively love, nurture, and sustain everything else without falling apart. Because it, it is never not also at the same time this eternal source or resting consciousness. The next great field of divine or heavenly consciousness or cosmic consciousness is the creative vortex, which has the source consciousness at the very core of its consciousness, surrounded by a field of active consciousness. So what we have here is a multi-state consciousness, which includes a source consciousness at the very core, then the active consciousness of Anami at the next level, and now the creative vortex at the third great level of consciousness. So the creative vortex is always aware of itself as the creative vortex, always aware of itself as the one in many and many in one active consciousness, and at the same time is always aware of itself as the divine or source consciousness of everything else. It's not a single state of consciousness, it's a multi-state of consciousness. This is something that some saints uh, don't yet understand, I think. The creative vortex is eternally using the power of the active consciousness 
to create many lower levels of consciousness as energy patterns, objects, and as copies of itself, which we call souls. Our soul, in fact. Because it is also the act of consciousness, and because it is also the source consciousness, it can look at itself through every lower level of consciousness that it has created and see itself as the act of consciousness, see itself as the creative consciousness and see itself as a divine consciousness all at the same time. Now, keep in mind that this creative vortex, which is called Satlok in, in the, a lot of Satmat traditions, this is actually the stage of consciousness that's in our soul. In the same way that the creative cosmic vortex creates energy patterns of various types, creates objects from those energy patterns of various types of objects. Our own consciousness does the same thing within the microcosm of our world. So we're a mini-me copy of the, the multi-state consciousness, which we call the creative vortex or satlok. And this is why, by the way, that many spiritual wisdom paths, ancient paths, sometimes say something like, um, most true saints, fully enlightened saints, live in satlok, abide in satlok. What they're saying is that the soul, our soul, once we have reached the core of our soul, we will be abiding in a mini-me copy of the creative vortex, which is not simply the creative vortex. It is the creative vortex consciousness, the active consciousness, and the resting consciousness all at the same time. And this, by the way, is the stage of consciousness that we need to emulate in our spiritual practice. Because it's a stage of consciousness that not only sits in equipoise within the chaos of every other thing that is coming and going while staying vividly aware of the divine consciousness within itself. You see, it does that whether it is fully aware of the entire cosmos of consciousnesses or whether it is simply aware of all the other things in its field of awareness as a human. This is the very nature of both heavenly consciousness and also the general nature of our own soul. Okay. <laughs> So then, <laughs> how do we go about 
learning to emulate the nature of this multi-state consciousness that is both at the core of our soul, which is a mini-me copy of God consciousness, and also at the core of God consciousness or divine consciousness or source consciousness or whatever label we want to give it. <laughs> Remember, it's experience that matters. Okay. All righty. The three easiest ways to get in touch with this consciousness is either the slow breath practice, the soft mantra practice, or the soul heart meditation. With each or any of these practices, we can get to the point where we can calmly, patiently, stilly, be aware of all the chaos around us without following it. So the very beginning, that's enough. The very beginning, that's more than enough. Because when we're in a state of stillness, a state of peace, a state of deep relaxation. That very state of deep relaxation becomes blissful in and of itself, becomes energetic in and of itself. It becomes vibrant naturally by itself. begins to shine, becomes self-luminant, self-resonant, naturally by itself. When we can relax within the chaos, within any, within any level of chaos around us, Because we become more vibrant and more relaxed, we can then feel, begin to feel the divine consciousness within us flowing out of us in the same way that it flows out of Satlok into the world around us. Deeper yet, deeper yet, we will begin to see that all of the events in this chaotic environment of life that we experience were originally created by our own consciousness. We'll know that. Because we'll realize that we only see our own nature, 
we see events happening that remind us of our own nature. But because we are resting in the core of stillness within us, we no longer will follow that nature. In other words, we won't follow the energy patterns of emotions and desires and fears. And when we no longer follow these emotions and desires and fears, they dissolve. And as they dissolve, we then realize that everything else is just an illusion. The other thing that happens when we're resting in equipoise within the chaos of things is that everything else is like a dream that comes and goes. And after having experiences for some period of time, we then begin to realize that our nighttime dreams have the same characteristics. They come and they go. And they usually contain elements of current and past memories and current and past emotions. the dreams just the same. Resting even deeper within this consciousness, we realize that we are never really experiencing anything other than what was created out of our previous attachments to energy patterns and objects. And then we realize that there's some sort of power greater than just our mind that is creating all these things. We realize that because when the mind is paying attention to the things of the world, Miracles happen that have nothing to do with the mind. Great miracles, small miracles, starts with synchronicities. Sometimes objects get created out of thin air. Trays of cards, uh, airplane tickets, checks from companies that you've never heard of. Bags of groceries that disappear. <laughs> mostly the desserts and things you shouldn't be eating. But anything can happen. Anything and everything will happen. But the thing, the miracles that happen are not just gifts for you. They're usually gifts for others as well. The other thing that we begin to see when we're floating in such a manner, is that the mind and the events 
that are created by the mind that is not a part of us, but is external to us, is always acting perfectly in the world and to all of the other individuals in our dream. Yes, they happen to be real people, but it's still dreamlike, you see. The events of the world are still dreamlike. After years of, or months sometimes even, of floating in this manner, or decades, all your previous attachments to energy patterns, desires, emotions, or energy patterns, thoughts are energy patterns, objects are energy patterns, memories are clusters of energy patterns. By floating suchly over long periods of time, the ability of things to attract you to themselves, the energy patterns, as attachments dissolve, the inclinations to follow those energy patterns disappear. When most of these energy patterns of chaos have dissolved. Your mirror is clean. Your soul is clean. Karmas are gone. The attachments are gone. And you're more free than ever before to dwell and abide in this river of loving consciousness that has been flowing through us for billions of years. But now you see, we notice it. Now we can become one with it. Now we can become one as this flow of consciousness. Eventually, that takes us to the source of the flow of consciousness. We can't sense the source of the flow of consciousness until our load of karma is very, very light. When we've given up the desire, you see, to exist as part of the dream, it's really what it is. When all we care about is the love, the sense of oneness, the sense of harmony, the sense of magic, the sense of wonder, that we're experiencing the core of our awareness, when only thing that we want to experience is this awareness, 
then we end up in a state of existence where our attention is always on this flow of awareness. And since it's always on this flow of awareness, as we only pay attention to it, all of our very, very subtle senses of imagination, senses of imagined levels of awareness, all of our senses of different aspects of beingness disappear. Why bother with a facade? Why bother with a persona? Why look anywhere except inwardly at the source of our consciousness? If not looking inwardly, results in the loss of this vibrant awareness, the loss of this peace of mind, the loss of this magic and wonder and freedom and joy. Why look elsewhere? Why look elsewhere when your awareness is now a hundred times greater or a thousand times greater than it ever was within the mind? Why look elsewhere when your sense of freedom is so vast it's incomprehensible? Why look elsewhere when your sense of wonder is a, is a hundred times greater than it was when you were a three-year-old playing in a, on a sunny day in a field of grass with all your toys? Why look elsewhere when you're sense of awareness is a thousand times sharper with more depth, more vibrance than any other time in your entire existence. We get to that point, you see, where we relish this sense of wonder and magic and love so much that we never want to leave it. We never want to blink, as Mira says. We only want to stay there, as Guru Nanak says. We get to a point where we can rest in this state of consciousness for long periods of time, and where everything else is around us. All the chaos is outside of us. But we're not in the state of chaos. We can see the state of chaos. But we're in a state of peace and joy and wonder. This is what Guru Nanak refers to as a state of equipoise. Or being in the court of the Lord. Or the Sufis say in complete alignment with the nature of God. And where are we? We're at the core of our soul. 
which is a duplicate copy of the nature of God. After a longer period of time, after we can abide so long, in this state of equipoise, our consciousness becomes very clear, so clear, so free. that we merge into God consciousness and our own sense of self-existence as a soul just dissolves. And we experience multi-state consciousness. Now, for someone who's been meditating for a while but hasn't been practicing the way we've been practicing, they're not going to be able to handle multi-state awareness. But after practicing sitting in equipoise, well, everything else comes and goes, you see, the same time we've been practicing multi-state awareness without knowing it. By being aware of the vibrant core of our awareness, which is still by being aware of a consciousness that can be still at the same time, see everything around it. By being aware that our consciousness created the very elements and experiences and energy patterns that have been coming to us for some time. By these combined practices, you see, we have been practicing the very consciousness of the creative vortex, which contains the one and many and many one active consciousness of anami within it, and also the still divine peaceful consciousness within that as well. You see, at some point, we become this very same multi-state consciousness that has always been a mini-me copy of the heavenly consciousness, of the heavenly nature of consciousness. The multi-state consciousness of Satlok, or the creative vortex. And as it pulls us deeper within the cosmic realms of consciousness, our multi-state awareness starts with being in multiple bubbles of consciousness in, in the crown chakra, which is outside of the body. And then we might start with six or seven or eight levels of consciousness at the same time six or seven or eight different bubbles of multi-state awareness. And that 
heavenly consciousness pulls us deeper and deeper and deeper within the cosmic consciousness. And as it pulls us deeper, we begin to be able to handle the infused power within that consciousness. And we learn to be able to abide within greater and greater numbers of states of multi-state consciousness. Keep in mind that in Anami, the active state of consciousness, we're interconnected and we're loving, nurturing, and sustaining oh, zillions upon zillions upon zillions of other states of consciousness. And before we can reach and be able to abide as a Nami consciousness, we have to learn how to handle thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions and eventually zillions of zillions of states of consciousness at the same time. And we will, it happens. The reason most advanced meditators only spend a few seconds in anami is because they haven't yet practiced in this manner. And having not practiced in this manner, they will get bounced out of Satlo, they will get bounced out of the crown chakra, they will get bounced out of Anami after a second or two. Because it's simply too much to handle. And this is why most experienced mystics who've reached the highest levels always teach others to learn how to be in multi-state consciousness at the very beginning of their spiritual practices. Okay. We need to be able to feel the energy patterns within us, within our body. We need to be able to be aware of multiple states of consciousness within our consciousness. We need to be able to relax lovingly. And that is enough to start the journey. Simply learning how to relax, in fact, is enough. What are we doing when we're dreaming at night? Even in the simplest stages of dreaming at night. The core of our experience is a state of relaxation that allows the dreams to come. If we get involved emotionally, of course, we're less relaxed and becomes more chaotic. But once we've really learned how to relax, we can dream and dream and dream for hours. And the same thing is true in real life, in the waking life, in daytime dreams. It's just a dreaming process even in the daytime. 
if we can learn how to relax deeply, deeply relax, then we can also learn how to not follow anything that comes and goes. Once we learn how to not follow anything that comes and goes, we can rest peacefully, vibrantly in a state of equipoise, a beginning state of equipoise. And then the whole process begins, the process of going deeper and deeper and deeper within consciousness automatically and naturally. It's not a state of meditating. It's a state of letting life meditate us. Letting the divine consciousness at the core of our soul gently shape us, gently massage us, gently pull us into itself, you see, because we're so relaxed that we let our deeper states of consciousness pull us in gently, tenderly, sweetly, silently, effortlessly, melt us into itself. It's a state of consciousness where we're floating, we're riding, we're drifting in this river of creative, loving consciousness. It's still peaceful. But it's, a state, it's also a state of consciousness where we're at the center of the chaos. Buddha referred to it as being in the state of the stream winner. It's like you're a rock of peacefulness and consciousness in the middle of a stream. And this river of karma, of thoughts, emotions, desires, and fears, past memories are coming to you. and floating right past you without affecting you. And you can just see these ribbons of light if your astral eyes are open. You can see these ribbons of light coming and going constantly. And when we're in this state, you see, we're relaxed. We're in a state of love, peacefulness, freedom, equipoise. And in a state of equipoise, we're aware of that still resting source consciousness. We don't know it is source consciousness yet. We haven't given the label yet. <laughs> it just feels so groovy because it's always there. always the center of this state of never-ending peace, 
At the same time, we begin to glow. We feel the glow of love. And we learn to stay in a loving nature. And in that loving nature, you see, we're learning actually, learning how to love, nurture, and sustain everything. We don't yet know that it comes from us. But deeper and deeper in this state of consciousness, we can actually see that happen. When we get close to that nexus point between the macrocosm and the microcosm, we feel through our consciousness, we feel the divine consciousness entering into us and becoming the very awareness that we are. Later on, after we've reached the crown chakra, come back from the crown chakra, sometimes our body disappears on the way to reaching the crown chakra, physically disappears, not just in our mind, but physically disappears. I've talked to dozens of people where this has happened. I've experienced it myself many, many times. And when your body disappears. You start floating from the crown chakra without a body. And you literally watch as that consciousness within you creates ribbons of light between exploding stars of consciousness in a field that looks like stars in a black night. You literally watch as it creates ribbons of light between numbers of stars and eventually builds a white skeleton. And then you watch as this stream of consciousness entering out of the very core of your awareness creates layers of flesh and organs and skin and hair and whatnot. And in that instance, it becomes abundantly clear to you that not only has your soul's consciousness created every aspect of your physical experiences in life, including your own body, and your own thoughts. But you also experience the fact that this consciousness that is you is also an even deeper consciousness. Eventually you realize that's the God consciousness, the heavenly consciousness. And so you see, the, all of the mysteries of life, all of the 
key messages and passages of ancient wisdom come to you automatically over time. And it all starts with just learning how to relax. Okay. So let's look at the three easiest ways to relax in such a way that it brings you to the source of your soul and your body. The source of your soul and your body, the first expression of your soul's awareness happens right here at the eye center. If we go deeper, we go closer to the very core of our awareness. But at the initial awareness of the soul happens here at the eye center, where it's kind of like a train station. <laughs> and there's one train that goes out into the world. Actually, there's probably about a million trains that leave that train station that go to different locations in your mind and one train that goes toward, travels inward towards the source of your consciousness. And a million that go outward. So the trick is to reach that train station within us, the source of our consciousness as it sits in the world. And it's from there, actually, that we can rest in equipoise, that we find a way to rest so deeply in equipoise that we can see the chaos around us, but not follow it, not take the train, not jump on any of those trains that go outward into the far excess remote locations of our, our, <laughs> our jungle of a mind. It's right there. Start all three exercises, the slow breath practice, the soft mantra practice, or the soul heart meditation. Start with simply relaxing. And if I boil it down to its simplest elements, if we're used to doing breath practices, hatha yoga, all we really need to do is take a few slow breaths inward and outward. And on one of those very, very slow breaths, I'm one of those very, very slow breaths. Follow the breath inward. So the breath is right up here in your head somewhere. Breathe deeply, slowly. So the breath is in your head. And then 
let your consciousness relax right there. Let it stay right there. Then ignore your breath. Let it come and go, forget about it. Just stay within that emptiness. You see, when you reach that spot in your head where the in-breath stops, you're in the vicinity of that. You're in that train station. It may not be at the heart of the train station yet, but you're in that train station at the eye center. The more you simply relax without trying to do anything, as you relax, your soul will drift to the very center of that train station in your head, in the eye center. And as it gets closer and closer to the center of that train station in the eye center, you can begin to feel, you will begin to feel your consciousness become more vibrant, more expansive, more intense. You'll begin to feel a sense of peace that goes beyond your, your imagination, beyond any experience you've ever had before. You begin to feel a sense of love that's beyond anything that you've ever felt before. And just stay there. Just don't do anything, just stay. Just learn to stay there. Practice the, these first on the cushion and whatever times you meditate. And then practice it several times a day, once in the morning when you get up, maybe once at lunchtime where you can find a private spot, maybe once in the evening or twice in the evening, once before dinner, after dinner, and once when you go to bed, before you go to bed. And all you have to do is take that in-breath up to the point where your awareness is somewhere in your head and relax silently, effortlessly, lovingly relax. And the love, the feeling of love will grow. The feeling of peace, the feeling of bliss, the feeling of vibrance, the feeling of being loved will grow. And that feeling of love, that feeling of vibrance, that feeling of awareness, that feeling of peace will actually become your very nature as a human being. And you just continue that for a while. And then Practice taking a few steps in the outside world. Maybe just get up from the cushion, maintain your awareness in your head, walk a few steps away from your easy chair or the couch or wherever you're meditating. Practice staying in the train station. Practice floating in that nature 
that blissful, still state of equipoise, where consciousness stays aware of the very nature of itself. Practice it for a week or so, so you can walk a few steps, walk a few more steps, without losing your attention of this nature of God consciousness. And once you reach a point where you can walk around, walk around in the backyard, walk around the house, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, without being drawn to an object, or drawn to a bill, or drawn to an emotion. Then you're ready to really practice Wu Wei in the O in the world. So you go to work. And before you start answering the phone or opening up your computer, or calling your kids for breakfast or making the breakfast for your children or your relatives or your loved ones. Go into this state of equipoise. Feel the love, feel the peace, feel the stillness, feel the harmony. And hold on to it as you do your first few things in the world. It'll take practice, but after a few days, a few weeks, you're gonna be able to maintain that loving spiritual nature for longer and longer periods of time. And your awareness will grow by leaps and bounds. The love that you have for everything for this state of consciousness, for this flow of loving consciousness through you will grow by leaps and bounds. And then you'll learn all the other lessons that you need to learn automatically. We all learn differently based on our past accumulation of energy patterns that we're still attached to. Some of us have to learn to give up one thing. Other people have to learn how to let go of other things. It's okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your pattern is. It doesn't matter how long it takes, how slow it is, or how fast the progress is. None of those things matter. They're of no consequence. The only thing that is of any consequence is your awareness of bliss, of awareness, of peace, of love, of the loving consciousness that's flowing through you. Everything else happens by itself from this point forward. And honestly, 
the entire journey within is this state of consciousness where you're in a state of equipoise. Everything else comes and goes. Eventually, you don't look at everything else as a mountain. You see it as, a, as an extended state of love. You see it as an extended state of the loving creative process. You'll see it as an extended state of a loving nature of God within you, of the divine within you, of the heaven, the consciousness within you. Everything else happens automatically and naturally in due time by itself. The other way to, once you've learned how to relax, the other way to reach the spot in your head where you relax is by using a soft mantra approach. And we can detail these things later and I'll make some really nice guided meditations for you later. But it's the same as the slow breath method. It's just that you're using a mantra to get to that point in your head. If you've been doing Simran or a mantra from a previous practice, there's no reason to avoid it, to push it away. You're doing it automatically anyways. <laughs> use it. The question is, how do you use it? If you are attached to do it mechanically, you see, you're gonna have a hard time, an almost impossible time to reach that state of equipoise, to be in the train station. Charan Singh used to say, do it with love. Well, how do you do it with love? In a non-emotional manner. It's easy. Once you start to feel the emptiness within you and you feel the love within you, sense of being loved within you. Just do that, feel that when you're in the eye center doing your mantra. So here's what you could do. Instead of saying some, something like, oh, 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 oh or something else real fast, maybe a two-syllable. Om Namaya, Om Namaya, Om Namaya, Om Namaya, Om Namaya, Om Namaya, Om Namaya. As you might do in your head with any mantra, concentrating on the two or three words that come next, speeding it up, speeding it up over time. No, do the reverse. Do it slowly. Instead of, Om Namaya, Om Namaya, Om Namaya, Om Namaya. And then softly, Om Namaya, Om Namaya. Feel the rhythm. Feel the harmony. 
be aware of the space between the words. And just as you learn to take one breath, and follow it up into your head, do the same thing with your mantra. Feel the mantra in your eye center. At the right pitch, it creates a vibration in your eye center. Um, And you stay right there in the eye center, in that vibration. You let your consciousness rest in love, in peace, in that still peaceful area, that silent area behind your eyebrows somewhere. You don't have to envision where it's at. You don't have to think about where it's at. You'll be right there. The soul heart meditation is another version aimed at the same goal, bringing you to the eye center, the middle of the train station. And this is for people who are on a path of love, path of bhakti. I don't care whether it's Guru Bhakti or Nurgan Bhakti or Soul Bhakti or any type of bhakti, it doesn't matter. You, when you're floating in bhakti, take a deep breath as if you're breathing in a breath that's filled with love. And exhale breath that's filled with humility and love. Feel with your consciousness. Feel the love with your consciousness. Feel the love in your heart. Just feel it. Feel the love in your forehead. Just feel it. Feel the love that goes from your heart to your head. Feel the love that goes from your head to your heart. Then feel it as a state of love between your head, which is your soul, and your heart. Feel this connection as a state of love in your eye center. and float, float, float with this flowing love 
that always proceeds from your heart and from your soul and your forehead. Stay, stay, stay in that flow of love in your head eventually. And you'll reach a state of equipoise, a state of loving equipoise. Stay right there and practice that state of loving equipoise in the same way that we practice the state of loving awareness after either the breath or the mantra took us to the same train station. We got to the center of the train station through the breath or through the mantra by relaxing into a state of love. The soul heart meditation, we're already in a state of love. So when you simply follow that love to the place in your head, it will take you to the center of the same train station. And then you simply need to practice staying in that state of loving consciousness while you're on the cushion. And eventually, hold on to it. Stay in that state as you sit up and walk a step or two. Loving, staying in equipoise in your head. Eventually, you'll be able to do that with your eyes wide open. And in this state of loving consciousness, you'll end up loving everything around you, all, including all the events, all the chaos. It won't turn into fears or desires anymore. Because the source of the love is right there in your head. Eventually, you realize your head is around the source of love, outside of the source of love. The body's outside of the source of love. The world is outside of the source of love. And yet at the same time, you can be in love, this flow of godly love, and aware of how that love touches everything else in your environment. So there we have it. We've learned how to emulate the nature of God consciousness in our life. And once we've learned how to do that, all we have to do is rinse and repeat. <laughs> Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And as we rinse and repeat this process, the inclinations to do anything else dissolve and thereby allow us to stay longer and longer periods of time in this state of loving consciousness. And in time, we become so self-radiant that the, the world just becomes bright. 
so bright sometimes that you feel like wearing sunglasses all the time. <laughs> But everything becomes bright, everything becomes lovable, everything becomes a state of love. That you can experience as the core consciousness within you, you can experience the still, brilliant, vibrant state of loving, peaceful consciousness within you amidst the chaos of your life. In the same way, that your consciousness in Satlok can create, constantly create the physical cosmos in a state of divine loving consciousness at the core of its awareness. And as a state of loving consciousness is constantly nurturing, loving and sustaining everything else that it experiences. So you see that we can become just like a state of consciousness in Satlok by practicing how we reach a state of equipoise at the center of our awareness in our life 